Welcome to this episode of the DP Organizer Brief. Here, the team at DP Organizer will be discussing the latest news in privacy and data protection and provide actionable advice for privacy professionals. My name is Christopher, and today we're talking all about the new SHRIMS 2 guidelines provided by the European Data Protection Board. Let's dive in. Hi and welcome everyone. Today I'm sitting here with Elisabeth Davadou, who's in our consultancy team. Uh, thank you, Elisabeth, for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So can you just start by breaking down in these new guidelines that came uh, from the EDPB? Uh, what, what's new? Uh, well, basically, it's not that it's something completely new. Uh, it's not something that we didn't know before, that uh, the data protection that is granted in Europe must follow the personal data into a third country. This is the basic idea of these guidelines. But uh, in the light of SRAM's two case, these guidelines came to spread more light into um, more specific steps, actually, a data controller must take in order to make sure that this protection follows the personal data to third countries, basically. And uh, what were these steps is basically the first step is the data mapping, as we all know, uh, in the same idea of knowing your data in order to protect them, the European Data Protection Board basically tell us to know your transfers. Where do you transfer your personal data? Uh, for the specific purposes with, for which you process the personal data. Then as a second step, we have to identify our transfer tool, which is basically um, the appropriate um, safeguards, uh, as they're called in Article 46 of the GDPR. Now they're named transfer tools, and that will be standard contractual clauses, binding corporate rules, uh, and so on. Uh, so now we call them transfer tools, and as a second step, we need to identify it, which one, which is the most appropriate in, in our case. So, so far, I don't think it's something new here. What is new though, and I think this is the trickiest part, is to um, assess the law and practice of this third country. So as you can understand, this is a really big burden for any controller to assess yeah. the law uh, of the third, third country and special attention needs to be paid in the surveillance law of this country. So if I am to transfer personal data in China or in the United States or in India, me as a controller, um, according to the principle of accountability of the GDPR, I need to make sure that there is nothing in the law, in the laws of this third country that impinge on the protection of personal data. That is a tough assessment. Um, to be honest, I read the other guidelines about the European guarantees. Yeah. And it can be quite tricky and hard and time consuming for controllers, uh, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, but this is something, and, and again, I don't consider that it is something completely new because right. Um, this is this is something that we had to assess before, and the SREMS 2 case showed that this is a case. Like sometimes, even though uh, countries have an adequacy decision or uh, the um, uh, framework uh, privacy sealed with the yeah. European Commission, that doesn't mean that we don't have to question the, this third country's laws and practices. Right. So. We always have to question and check ourselves, basically. Mm -hmm. 
And then what is new in this aspect, in this guidelines is that uh, is the fourth step that says that if the transfer tool is not adequate, cannot aff uh, um, offer itself an adequate level of protection, then we have the option uh, if we want this transfer to occur, yeah. we have the option to implement appropriate, uh, not appropriate, appropriate supplementary measures. Yeah. That will be either technical measures as such as end-to-end -end encryption, for example, or pseudonymization, or even organizational measures in some cases, and also extra contractual obligations. So we are given really concrete examples. I found them useful personally. Yeah. Uh, somebody else might not, but um, I was really surprised with these guidelines. I thought they were really helpful on this matter. I think yeah, it's a good point because now we kind of have a very specific list of what those uh, supplementary measures should be. Uh, yes. Yeah. How hard are they to deal with what, or and comparatively to what organizations has had before and will it will it be resource intensive for organizations to comply uh, I mean um, to be honest uh, like in the guidelines we have like specific requirements for each uh, technical measure and for example if you're about to use encryption there yeah. are certain um, tick boxes that this this correct I'm not um, a, a, te a technical person with information security so forgive if forgive my language if I say something that sounds a little bit weird and not correct. But anyway, like we have certain, uh, certain points that this the characteristic of this, the application of encryption must fulfill. So for example, one might be that data is encrypted before the transfer. And then um, depending on the case, we are given specific characteristics, as I said. Um, now, if it is possible to apply, I think, yes, I don't consider them to be um, like this aspect, although it's not my field to give advice on that specifically, yeah. but I think that it should be okay. The hardest part is for a data protection professional to identify which measure is appropriate in the given case. Right. I think this is a challenge for, for us working within data protection. Uh, in this step. And then we have like two more steps. Uh, one is that uh, there might be a case that uh, we need to uh, take some procedural uh, measures as well, follow some procedural steps as well. So that would be the case um, if we want to amend the standard contractual clauses, for example, uh, in that case, we have to notify the supervisory authority. Yeah. Um, this is not that 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 uh, the um, explanation in this step is not that helpful so far, but uh, the European Data Protection Board committed to uh, provide more guidelines on this step, so okay. we're waiting for that. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, the the last but not least uh, is that we need to revaluate, uh, always monitor the yeah. laws of this country, yeah. like uh, and the. Um, efficiency of our supplementary measures at any yep. given time right, right so that's it basically a summary of these guidelines and then uh, i think you added in some uh, some additional advice when we were looking at this and that's regarding the extraterritorial scope of some countries can you yes. shed a bit of light on that when i went through the guidelines um i noticed that nothing is said about uh, any surveillance law that might have extraterritorial scope 
which is the case for the Cloud Act, for example, and FISO, uh, FISA, sorry, uh, which are surveillance laws, uh, US surveillance laws that have extraterritorial scope and they apply uh, to US uh, organizations, yeah. no matter where they process the personal data. Yeah. Um, so let's take, if we use a cloud provider that is established in the US, for example, mm -hmm. and they're subject to these laws, uh, which have extraterritorial scope. Even though in my data mapping, um, I have chosen um, as a, a, a region to store the personal data somewhere within the European economic area. Yeah. So in my data mapping, I won't notice anything weird happening because I say I feel secure that my data is in Europe. So no transfer uh, takes place yeah. of personal data. But still, the, uh, in my data mapping, I won't be able to identify the danger that comes here that uh, if, for example, um, uh, my provider uh, gets a warrant from uh, a US um, uh, court yeah. uh, or an order, uh, they have, like, my provider has the obligation to provide the data to them, to yeah. disclose the data. Right. So this is not uh, captured in my data mapping. So my advice here is to always check um, where is your provider or where, uh, like, the entity that you transfer the, data, the personal data to, where it is established, where is the main establishment of their uh, company, and then check if uh, they are subject to any surveillance laws that have extraterritorial scope. Right. Basically, this is it. Uh, I would say that the guidelines really de delicately um, missed to mention this part. Okay, so. yeah, it's uh, <laughs> something to add to the addendum later, at least. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, um, fantastic. And uh, I think what's great about this, we you have done very thorough research on this. And uh, for, uh, for our users as well, we have two assessments that will help them use, uh, do this uh, themselves in the DP Organizers app. So there's one called third country transfer assessment and third country law slash practice assessment to kind of break those two up. Yeah, so we use the guidelines as our guidelines basically to create this template and uh, make um, our client's life easier uh, when as easier as possible <laughs> because it's a lot to assess. Uh, yeah. especially as I mentioned the third step. Uh, so we translated, um, we transferred the, the, the text into specific questions that yeah. will guide um, the data protection professional or the DPO uh, into the right direction and assist with the assessment basically. Yeah. It wasn't an easy task but <laughs> hopefully, I really hope you will enjoy <laughs> if I may say so. Oh yes, exactly, for sure. Um, all right, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me here. That's a wrap for this episode of the Deep Organizer Brief. If you want to read the blog associated with this episode, you'll find a link in the show notes. Thank you for listening and have a great day.